Bauta tuaha, and welcome to the Science Witch Podcasts series, Deity Deep Dives. This is the first one that I'm recording, and I am absolutely thrilled to be talking with you today about the goddess, the saint, the force of nature that is Brigid. The Deity Deep Dive series is a mini-series here with the Science Witch Podcast where we explore the stories and our own experiences with the deities that are featured in our Science Witch Art Covens sticker exchange. You can take part in the sticker exchange by supporting us on Patreon or by buying one of the stickers in any of the online platforms that we are selling our merchandise. So today, I am inviting you behind the sticker to get to know Bridget. Bridget is the, I think, only one we have out right now that I drew. You can always tell my art in the Science Witch Art Coven because it's definitely the worst art that we include. But there's a lot of love and time and meditation and energy put into each of the projects, even if my line work is shockingly bad. And the sticker that I did of Bridget, I actually, as a reference picture, used a picture of my mom, who is one of my favorite people who's ever lived, and it's a picture from her wedding day. And with Bridget being, among many other things, a goddess that's associated with marriage and with brides, sometimes she, her name is Bride, I thought it was appropriate. So by way of a brief introduction or reintroduction to the Irish pantheon, the deities of pre-Christian Ireland are known as the Tuatha de Danann, which is the people or the community or the tribe of the goddess Danu. And Bridget is one of the most beloved and most widely venerated of the deities from the Celtic pantheon. One thing to keep in mind about the Celtic pantheon, if you're more familiar perhaps with the classical Greek and Roman pantheons, is that the Celtic deities are much more difficult to pigeonhole. I mean, perhaps we shouldn't be doing that with really any of the Pantheon deities. It's become sort of the common practice to think of a god of thunder or a goddess of love. And while that's always an oversimplification, it's really even less appropriate for the Celtic deities. So what is Goddess Bridget a goddess of? Well, several different things. She's a triple goddess, which is a common motif in Celtic spirituality. Might have actually been one of the things that made it easier for the Trinitarian Christianity to take root in Ireland. But she is a triple goddess of healing, of poetry and words, and of the forge or smithcraft. And already you can possibly see how, from a contemporary standpoint, it might be hard to see how these three things are unified in one goddess. As a goddess of healing, Bridget is associated with 
natural healing, and especially the use of magical waters found at Bridget's Wells all across Ireland. I was blessed and privileged enough actually last summer to visit Ireland, and my type A planning spouse mapped out a route that took us to many of St. Bridget's Holy Wells, and we collected water, and yeah, yeah, it was absolutely amazing getting to visit with the goddess at these places where she's still remembered today, perhaps as a saint, perhaps as a goddess, but always as a powerful force for healing. She's also the goddess of poetry or storytelling, the goddess of words, the goddess of the power of language, and she is the goddess of the forge, the goddess of smithcraft, the goddess of fire. And as such, she's a goddess of transformation, a goddess of creation, and a goddess of protection. Perhaps all of these come together with one theme associated with the goddess and later with the saint as a goddess of sovereignty. In fact, she's related to Brigantes, who is the goddess that Britain today is named after. Bridget's name signifies that she is the high one, she is the exalted one, or she is the bright one. And in Cormac's glossary, uh, it's recorded a folk etymology that her name means the fiery arrow. She is a maternal goddess, she is a goddess of fertility, she is a goddess of the awakening of fire. And therefore, in some tellings, she is associated with springtime and the dawn and the morning time. And in my personal practice, I often have contrasted Brigid as a goddess of light with the Morrigan as a chthonic goddess as well. I don't know if that's headcanon, but that's been my personal way of working with the Celtic pantheon. As a goddess of fire and sovereignty and inspiration, in Ireland, in County Kildare, they have kept a perpetual flame to St. Bridget that had been lit since historic times, since prehistoric times, and that this fire was used to spread fires on the holy days of Imolc and Beltane, and that fire would be carried from St. Bridget's perpetual flame out to the countryside to all of the other fires of people celebrating these holidays around the Ireland. While the perpetual flame was snuffed out by British imperialism, it has been relit and currently resides at Solas Breed, a compound of sorts in County Kildare of Christian and also non-Christian, including pagan devotees to St. Bridget or the goddess Bridget. While I was in Ireland, I was lucky enough to be able to visit the Perpetual Flame, which sits atop some driftwood overlooking a garden with a statue of Bridget in the center. And we were 
welcomed with open arms by the nuns and the other keepers of that space, which continues to honor St. Bridget. So at this point, it's probably worthy mentioning that the goddess Bridget has continued to have veneration as a saint, as St. Bridget, one of the most beloved saints today in Ireland and one of the patron saints of Ireland. Because of this continuation of her veneration as a saint, and also her appearance in voodoo as Maman Brigitte, Brigitte is very likely one of the most widespread venerated goddesses from antiquity, and one of the few goddesses from any European tradition that has an unbroken if transformed lineage of devotion that stretches back into prehistory all the way up until the modern day. In some ways, I believe Brigid is an easy goddess to work with, but that can be deceptive. I mean, she's a goddess of light and fertility and protection and motherhood and inspiration and healing. Like, who doesn't like all of those things, unless you're some sort of one-dimensional supervillain. But at the same time, she can be, at least in my experience working with her, both loving and nurturing, and perhaps somewhat particular and demanding. Just because she is a goddess of often considered positive attributes, that doesn't mean that she's not incredibly powerful and without her own agency, and her own design. I primarily entered into a relationship with this goddess by celebrating her holiday, Immel, which traditionally happens right at the beginning of February of each year. And Immel celebrates the time when we can start to see the breakup of the winter and just start to see the new growth happening around us. It's a time when ewes, sheep, would be giving milk and starting to go into labor in the traditional Celtic time frame. And for the first time this year, 2023, the government of Ireland has announced St. Bridget's Day as a national holiday on the first Monday of February. So, we'll come back to Imolk in a second after we get to know a little bit more about the goddess and the saint. And many of the stories that I know and that I'll be sharing come from the life of St. Bridget, but many of the goddess's devotees really do find inspiration and wisdom in the stories of St. Bridget as a continuation, as a resiliency of the power of this goddess. According to the stories, St. Bridget was born between the 4th and the 6th century to a local ruler, a chieftain, and to a woman who he had enslaved. When I was able to visit the Church of St. Bridget in Kildare, this was actually a point that our tour guide really highlighted as part of the Irish tradition of inclusion that Bridget became one of the most important saints in the country 
with a mother who had been experiencing slavery, who had been enslaved, and who came from outside of Ireland. Despite being born to a woman who was enslaved, it was prophesied by a druid that she would be a great power, and her father kept her and recognized her as one of his daughters. She did cause some trouble for her father, though, because of her penchant for giving away his things and basically stealing her dad's possessions to give away to the poor. And this is one of the things that we know about the saint and the goddess is her deep love and devotion for the poor, for those who live on perhaps the underside of society. So one of her epithets is Bridget as a saint of those without cattle, those without cows, because cows were really the wealth of the island for a long time. So with this background, she was a saint who watched over those of the lower classes in a highly stratified class-based society with a lot of slavery and a lot of violence. You know, I think sometimes it is easy for us to romanticize our pagan pasts, but also to recognize that, yeah, we don't necessarily want to recreate everything that was central to those cosmologies and societies. So she spent her youth basically causing a lot of trouble for her father, and refusing any suitors. She would not accept any of the young men who might try to woo her, and ended up becoming a nun. In one of the stories, when she was to be ordained as a nun, a column of fire shot up from her head, and the person ordaining her, either by accident or by recognizing divine inspiration, actually ordained her as a bishop. And this was a role that was only supposed to be allowed for men, and Bridget was able to have this title and this role just by her clear strength and favor with the divine. So we see again a story of her overturning the hierarchy, overturning the patriarchy, overturning the social order. As a bishop, she needed a monastery, and the story of the monastery's founding is also, to me, a, a lovely miracle that highlights her role as a goddess of sovereignty. In the story, she goes to a local ruler and asks for some land to build a monastery, and she's refused. And so she takes off her cloak, and she tells the local ruler that she would settle for an amount of land only big enough that it could fit under her cloak. And the ruler, perhaps being a little amused by this and thinking that there will be a tiny little shrine or something, agrees, and she lays her cloak out and asks the women who are with her to grab each corner of the cloak, and they do, and they run in the four directions, and the cloak magically expands to cover all of the land that she would need to build a great monastery. So we see she's a little bit of a trickster here, and she really undermines, again, the patriarchal power dynamic. 
Another story that I love about St. Bridget is one involving a wealthy farm owner nearby her monastery. And the wealthy farm owner had the most renowned apple orchard at the time in all of Ireland. And she would bring apples to the monastery to share with the nuns and with St. Bridget. And as St. Bridget was wont to do, she turned around and gave the apples away to the poor. And the farm owner actually wasn't very happy about this because she had given her prized apples to these important pillars of the community and they turned around and gave them away. So she complained to St. Bridget saying, that wasn't who I gave the apples to. Basically, Bridget re-gifted them, which this wealthy woman thought was quite gauche. And Bridget's reply was that, well, the landowner needn't worry about it because she wouldn't have any apples in the future. So Bridget actually cursed her fields and her apple orchard quit producing. And actually, I recounted this story at St. Bridget's church as just sort of banter with the gentleman who was there and he wasn't familiar with the story and actually I think didn't like the story very much because it put Bridget in a bit of a, to his mind, perhaps a negative light. But to me, it's a really powerful story because she was able to recognize that for this person, her status and her power and fecundity of her grove was actually what in the Christian tradition we might call a stumbling block to her being able to fully be in community and to fully recognizing the true sort of equality and place that her abundance could have in the community. And so she got rid of that stumbling block for this particular wealthy landowner. So, you know, it's not all love and light and kumbaya and getting along. She's a powerful saint and a powerful goddess and she as i mentioned earlier has her own agency and has her own designs that aren't always fully in line with what is apparent as a final story of brigid there's one that comes to us when the saint was quite elderly and she had a younger consort a younger nun who was in her favor named darludak which means the daughter of the god Lu. Brigid and Darludak became soulmates and even slept in the same bed. And in her older age, Darludak began to feel temptations toward a young male soldier. And she didn't tell St. Brigid about this, but she's St. Brigid, so she knew everything. And one night as Darludak gave in to her passions and her temptations, she was trying to sneak out of bed and sneak out of the monastery to consort with a man. And in Bridget's way, she turned the floor into hot coals. And Darlodoc had to walk across these hot coals in order to meet with her lover. And she turned back and her feet were horribly burned. And she went back and got back in bed. She woke up in the morning and her feet were totally healed and she, she wasn't in any pain. And she confessed to St. Bridget what she had thought of doing the night before. And Bridget 
confessed to her that she had stopped her from ruining her vow of celibacy, her vow as a nun. And again, we see that Bridget's way of doing things isn't always the easiest, but it is always effective. The love between Bridget and Darladoc has led to many people associating them with lesbians and with sensual love between women, and they've been a touchstone for the queer community. And while we at the Science Witch Podcast certainly don't condone torturing your lovers in some sort of toxic monogamy situation, please don't do that with muggle or magical means. To me, the deeper wisdom of this story is that Darludak was internally torn between her duty to her community and her perhaps more base instincts. She was torn between her love of Bridget and her passion for this young warrior, and between her calling as a leader of the religious community on one hand, or perhaps to be in a place of subservience to a man on the other. St. Bridget didn't tell her she couldn't go, but she did, as a goddess of fire and smithcraft, test Darladoc's metal in a way, and make the choice less appealing for her. So do remember this when or if you ask to work with the goddess, if you turn to her for support, that support will come, but it might not always be in the most pleasant way. So as her holiday is coming up, the holiday of Imolk will close out thinking about ways that you can celebrate Imolk. First, cannot recommend highly enough the book Bridget, History, Mystery, and Magic of the Celtic Goddess by Courtney Weber, who is a good friend of the podcast, which has stories of the goddess and the saint, but also prayers, ways to work with her, different kinds of correspondences, different ways to work with the goddess in magic and to get to know her more deeply. And it's just a real treasure trove for being able to work more closely with the goddess. But we're coming up, like I said, on Imolk, which is a time when all of us can take some small steps to venerating and working with St. Bridget. So on Imolk or Candlemas, many of us in the pagan and witchcraft community celebrate in groups or if we're solitary or in the broom closet might celebrate a little more quietly. If you live somewhere that rushes grow and rushes are a semi-aquatic plant, it's a great time to go harvest those for one of the most iconic symbols of Bridget is making what's called a Bridget's Cross. And you can find tutorials online on how to weave rushes into a St. Bridget's Cross. If you don't have rushes around, then pipe cleaners are also a great alternative, especially if you're working with younger people and wanting to pass on this tradition 
to children. Pipe cleaners are great, and pipe cleaners even tie into St. Bridget's role as a metal worker. So you can weave St. Bridget's crosses and hang them up in your house, or if you're agricultural, in your barn, and they are said to protect, especially from illness and from fire. I keep a St. Bridget's cross above my bed and a few different places around my home, and I'll be replacing those this year as I make new St. Bridget's crosses. You can also make corn dollies that represent St. Bridget, and there's a really fun tradition that I like to do each year with the corn dollies, which is making a dolly out of really any kind of plant material. I mean, the Celts didn't have corn as we think of it in the U.S. today, but I do use corn husks for the craft of making a little dolly. If you want to be a little extra, you can make clothes to go for your little corn dolly. And you can make a St. Bridget's bed. In addition to the corn dolly, I have a little doll that I made of St. Bridget that I need to pull out. I pull out every year and I made a little shoebox bed for her. And in some traditions, young women would take their St. Bridget's dolly and go around from house to house asking for alms or for food for St. Bridget in her guise as the maiden. Some people, especially if you're looking for fertility in the upcoming year, will add things like an acorn wand to the bed to symbolize the unity of the feminine and masculine principles. And the dolly is a great way to welcome St. Bridget into your home. So the night before Imolk, you can set the St. Bridget dolly out near your front stoop, and you can include some little bits of cloth as well. That's very traditional, and welcome St. Bridget in. If you spread some ashes out by your front door, ashes perhaps from, from a fire, especially from your hearth fire, if that's something that you have available to you, then on the morning of Imolk, you can get up and welcome the Bridget Dolly inside, bring her and her bed inside, and check the ashes for any signs that St. Bridget has come by. Especially if you see any prints in the ashes, or if the ashes have been disturbed, you know that that's a clear sign that the goddess and the saint have come by your front door, and you can welcome them into your home for the remainder of the year. And I mentioned those little bits of cloth. Those that are set out on Imolk can be brought in and used as good luck charms, protection amulets for the rest of the year. So I like to have some fabric out that I will then bring in and perhaps carry with me, have on my altar, tie around a magical working that I want to use that I like to bring a little bit more of Bridget's energy to. Now remember, Bridget is also a goddess of fire and water, so anytime you're working with those elements, with water or fire, it's appropriate if you want to work with Bridget 
to invite her in through those elemental portals or anytime you're working on your personal sovereignty, anytime you're working on creation and protection. She's an excellent goddess to invite, but also remember she don't take no shit. And sometimes inviting a powerful deity into a situation is asking for some creative havoc, as we've seen in many of her stories. That's not to scare you away from working with Bridget, but just to sort of remind you that deity work is not necessarily what is most appropriate for all pagans and witches in all situations. And I will close out this now half hour long deity deep dive with an invocation of Bridget uh, that I'm borrowing from Courtney Weber's book, Bridget, History, Mastery, and Magic of the Celtic Goddess. Lady of the well, the forge, and the green earth, I seek. Warm my heart with your perpetual flame. Heal my wounds with your gentle waters. Cradle me in your mantle when I can walk no more. Bridget, I seek you. So from us here at the Science Witch Podcast to all of you out there, have a blessed Imolk. And if you decide that this is a goddess you want to work with, or if this is a goddess that you already are good friends with, either way, may Bridget's blessings be upon you for the year to come. Blessed be, live long and prosper.